Hey everyone, it's Karen here, and welcome back to Service and Practice. Today's episode is one that I've been really eagerly waiting to record from the beginning of when I even had this idea for the podcast. It's on a topic near and dear to my heart. Today, I'll be discussing with our guest, Maura Suriel, the topic of serving diverse needs, both in the classroom and in the context of the church as a whole. And Maura currently works as a learning specialist at her school. Before that, she was a teacher and a school counselor. She also serves the congregation of St. Anianus Church in Monroe, New Jersey, and is a mother of three. How are you, Maura? I'm doing great, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me to be um, part of this podcast program. Oh, you're welcome. It's it's my pleasure, and it's really awesome to have you. I'm really excited to, to have the discussion today and to learn. And for anyone who may not know, Maura recently completed her Master's of Education in Special Ed. Congrats. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate that. You're welcome. And it's awesome that this is your fourth master's degree. Very impressive. Yeah, it's uh, almost like a a marathon of learning. And quite honestly, I feel like I still have a a wealth of information and experience still ahead of me. It's really beautiful that you have that mindset of continuously learning, which is so important in service. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you as you're a big inspiration to me and I'm sure many others. So today we're talking about serving diverse needs and, you know, it's not an easy topic. There is a lot to it. And we're not going to be able to cover everything on this topic today in the podcast, but I want to start with some of the fundamentals. Why do we teach? So I read a simple quote, and it's really beautiful by His Holiness Pope Shenouda III from the book he wrote, How to Relate to Children. And he writes, after you gain their love, you can teach them what they need to know or what is suitable for them. And this quote's really touching because sometimes we need to remember what our motivation is for service. The focus, not just on teaching, but about sharing the message of Christ's love. I could not agree more with the beauty of that quote and how it captures, um, with such depth of wisdom, gain their love and then teach them what they need to know, which is suitable for them. So there's really three parts, and I think that encapsulates a beautiful uh, opportunity for us to pause and and reflect on that. You know, we're eager to step in as servants and 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 be faithful in serving and teaching. Um, you know, getting through a particular lesson or memory verse. The reality is that the way we are designed um, and the way that our brains are designed, uh, we actually have a part of our brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for helping to regulate our emotions. Um, to respond to fear. And if that is under attack in any way, then we can't actually tap into our cognition and our learning. So just a simple example, if a child comes into a Sunday school classroom and feels uncomfortable or unsafe or maybe singled out in any way, they're really not able to, to even open their minds to begin to retain a single word that's being spoken. And I think we really need to keep that in mind. So we do need to gain their love, help them to feel safe and accepted, and then determine what and how we're going to instruct that's suitable for them, given their learning needs. Thank you for that insight. I think that what you said makes a lot of sense. Um, When you're kind of in the moment and you're, you know, trying to get through a lesson, it's really easy to get caught up in teaching and, you know, get, getting through all your points that you've prepared from beforehand. 
And, you know, in doing so, kind of forget about this need to cultivate an environment. And with that concept of creating a learning environment comes the importance of recognizing the different learning styles that exist. So what are some ways that we can appeal to all types of learners? So I, I'm, I'm sure many of us are already familiar with, even from our own learning strengths and strategies, uh, there are people who, if you ask them, for example, uh, I want to teach you, uh, for example, how to play the symbols. You could say to someone, I'm going to give you an option. Would you like me to instruct you verbally um, on how to play the symbols? Would you like me to give you step-by-step -step instructions in, in written form? Would you like me to record a video? Would you like a combination of those things? Would you like to come in person and hold the symbols and, and test them yourself with some instruction? And you, you'll find that, in fact, all of these styles are really beneficial, but some will appeal more to one person than another. I mean, we could look at, obviously, various examples. And so we need to understand that for children sitting in a class and listening, you know there's those children who are sitting and their eyes are glued on you and they're taking every word in and they're able to do that auditorily just by listening. For other kids, if there's no visual stimulation or reinforcement, you're going to lose them after the first 90 seconds. So we have to recognize that some kids need that, that visual um, reinforcement. And for others, they also need the tactile. So tactile meaning touch. They need, some kids really need that sensory engagement. Um, I need to touch something and, and, and feel it in my hands um, and understand, you know, how it relates to the story. And then for some kids, they might need any one or more of those, and they need some kind of movement as well, because as long as they're, you know, sedentary or sitting in one place, whatever we introduce might not be able to be received completely by them. So um, just giving a quick example, uh, we think of, you know, the beautiful uh, account of our Lord with the five loaves and the two fish. That's a beautiful, you know, story from the Bible that we could teach a, a number of different uh, stages and ages. Well, I can share that story just verbally. I can share the story by showing pictures um, or, you know, some kind of images on a PowerPoint or whatever it might be. I could also add loaves and fish, you know, you know, maybe toy ones that could be passed around. I can bring in baskets that are filled that they can carry at the end. Um, I can have the kids move around and distribute. So we have to recognize that the delivery of the lesson in and of itself is not the goal, but it's how the message is going to reach um, the, the children based on their various uh, needs and learning styles. I love that example. It's really simple. And even for me, the example of the symbols, I actually can relate to that as someone who recently learned how to play the symbols just a few months ago during this uh, pandemic. So I'll be honest that, you know, this these are all great examples. But again, it could be kind of hard to keep this all in mind when you're in front of the classroom teaching. And how can we make sure to look out for all these various needs while still being able to manage the classroom overall? I think a lot of this comes back to, and you, I might repeat this again uh, before the end because it is so critical, the connection and the relationship with the child and by extension with the family. So mm -hmm. the, we have to be practical in recognizing we have the children with us typically once a week, maybe for 45 minutes, uh, maybe longer, maybe a little less depending on the age and of course depending on 
the platform. We have to consider this, the current climate. You know, right now, a lot of things are happening virtually as well. So with that limited scope, we, we ha there has to be some, some work done outside of that time and space. There has to be some connection to the parent to understand, you know, how is Mina doing at home? How is Mina doing at school? What have been some of the, the you know, the highlights for him? What have been some of the challenges for him? So that I can bring that into my my lesson and have the sensitivity to keep those things in mind in, in sort of the, the classroom setting, whatever that might look like. And, you know, I think today, uh, you know, aside from service and even aside from, you know, church, we can just look nationally and globally and see right now relationship is everything. You know, companies that are shutting down because of the pandemic, companies that are staying afloat, it's a lot of it is based on loyalty and relationship. And like I said at the very beginning, once a child feels safe and connected, they are, you know, really emotionally and physiologically more able to extend and open themselves up to learning. Thank you for sharing not just what makes sense intuitively, but the the science behind it. Because I think it's important for us to understand, you know, we're not all going to have four master's degrees like you, but, you know, we, we can at least know the basics and take this back to uh, our classes that we teach at church. So thank you for that advice. Yeah, and I just want to chime in, Karen, and mention, quite honestly, you know, education is 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 powerful. It's empowering. There are definitely many benefits, but I have to say, quite honestly, it's not through my education as much as it is through my experience with children. And I don't feel anyone needs any sort of degree in education um, or really in psychology or really in anything at all. The, the servants who care for the kids, I know there's a quote by John Maxwell who said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think we see that perfect example in our Lord Jesus Christ. He extended deep individual concern for every person. And that's why so many um, were drawn to him. So I, I just want to share with all of our listeners, there's no need to go out and feel the need to read books or you know, learn, be a specialist in any kind of learning uh, challenges that kids have, although that would be helpful, get to know the kids. And this is something I have to challenge myself to do is what are their interests? What are their hobbies? You know, um, and, and then use that as a channel to, to connect with them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And now we're going to take a step outside the classroom. And this is definitely, again, a, a big subject. But to scratch the surface, how can we as a Coptic community handle the topic of serving diverse needs? Do you see any areas for improvement? Absolutely. I think the first thing we need to recognize is that fair is not equal. And I think a lot of times we try to be very strategic and systematic in our churches. And especially for those of us who have larger churches and larger Sunday school classes, you know, there is an element of control that is that is needed in order to establish order in the classroom and to really just, quite frankly, get through the lesson and complete sort of our task at hand. That mindset is really not serving the needs of, of the children, I would say even of the class as a whole. So I think we need to stay, take a step back. And one of the things we need to do is understand the, the beauty of the diversity in our classroom and allow and extend grace to uh, permit some variation in the class. So for example, 
you know, I need to understand that for, for Susie who needs to wear, you know, glasses, that if she doesn't have those glasses on, she doesn't have the same opportunity to access the learning. Well, in the same way for Johnny, if he doesn't have the ability to move around the classroom, he's going to cause, you know, some kind of disturbance. It may be inevitable. So I need to allow that. Maybe I have to have sensory cushions that we can order for the class or an area in the back when a child feels they need to stand, they, they are permitted to do so. So in other words, we need to be comfortable. And I think we need to speak to the children to say, we are all unique and different and we have different needs. And therefore, here are some of the things in this classroom we're going to allow with responsibility and, so, and a sense of order so each of you can access the most from this time that we have together. Another, and I go back to say, fair is not equal. So to say every child has to sit in their seat, still, don't move, only raise your hand when you have to move or go to the bathroom. It's, that is sort of a recipe for, for discomfort, inevitably, for some of those, those children in the classroom. So that would be one of the first things I would mention. Yeah, I really like what you described, how not every classroom is going to look the same. And, you know, as servants, our goal should not be to have a Sunday school class look or be run a certain way, but really to serve and cater to the needs, the diverse needs of all the children. I also think it's really important to recognize that when I offer a diversity of learning opportunities in a classroom, like I said, maybe I have you know, some tactile things in the class that that the children can hold in their hand responsibly. Maybe I have some visuals. Maybe I break up the class into 15-minute blocks. Uh, or maybe I make sure there's like a stretching break, a cute little, you know, Bible song in the middle. Whatever ways I can help to break up that space and time to draw out the learning and the comfort of every child, I have to recognize I am doing this to serve every child in that room. So what we shouldn't be thinking is, oh dear, I have to implement all these you know, variations and considerations for these two or three children who just can't seem to sit still or keep their mouth closed. That is not how we should address uh, approach this. In fact, in any classroom, once we employ these best practices and we introduce these, these tools and these, this flexibility, we're actually doing it to the benefit of every learner. So even if one, one or two children are particularly going to benefit from the increased visual um, reinforcement or the increased you know, movement that's being permitted, in essence, it is going to actually benefit every child. And I think we, we need to approach it with, um, with that mindset. Yeah, I like that a lot. It reminds me of the verse about us being members of the body of Christ and then if one member suffers, the entire body suffers. And we can extend this to the Sunday school classroom and to your point where if you're only you're doing something that's only benefiting like one or two of the kids that's still something that's benefiting the entire class and making your classroom and your teaching more effective so it's really beautiful and now drawing upon your experience as a learning specialist can you share your thoughts on the actual identifying of these different needs maybe as a servant or even as parents where you know sometimes we may not be so familiar with that process. Very briefly, I'll just mention that any child who attends the public school system is eligible if there is a reasonable, um, reasonable reason to believe that they may have some kind of a learning difference or what they say, something that has an educational impact, 
they can be evaluated. And essentially the evaluation process would be having the child go through some testing to identify how they learn and whether they're reaching the appropriate developmental and age appropriate benchmarks. If they're not, then some really great interventions um, and accommodations can be um, afforded to that child. And I find this to be extremely empowering. One, because it provides information and it provides documentation and support for how to bridge the gaps in that child's learning, whether it's related to reading or math or attention or whatever else it might be. So I really urge every servant and every parent to not shy away from the opportunity to allow the public school system to serve their child as early as possible and as young as possible with those evaluations because that information then becomes useful within the school setting but also within the home as well as within the church um, and, and overall in terms of that child's experience. Yeah, thank you for sharing that honest advice. I think that it's really important for us to understand that, you know, sometimes there is a stigma or there is hesitation, especially being part of the community of Egyptian Christians and not always wanting to kind of talk about the subject or even consider an evaluation. So can you maybe share also what your thoughts are on how we as Coptic Christians here in the land of immigration can help out, um, you know, our brothers and sisters who maybe are a little bit hesitant in approaching this topic or this process. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had to um, address this before. First off, I just want to mention that the, the, the evaluation process and any documentation or reports that come out are absolutely confidential. Now, of course, the teachers would be privy to that information so that they could serve the needs of the child. Um, however, even at, you know, older ages, for example, in high school, even if a child is receiving certain accommodations like permission to use a computer on an essay during a standardized test or getting extra time to complete an assessment or even having someone permitted to read aloud the test to them, no matter what kind of accommodation or modification is permitted, those are never reported to, say, colleges, for example, which um, or reported even to on the transcript. That is actually against the law. So it is a completely confidential process. To answer your question, one of the things we need to do is um, be willing to help our parent community to write a letter to the school, and usually it's written to the guidance counselor, just requesting an evaluation for the child based on um, concerns with their performance in school. The school typically, I think, has 14 days to respond, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of rights that the parents have so helping them just have those conversations and advocate with them through the school makes a tremendous difference. If a parent has concerns and they're willing to say, I am going to take advantage and advocate for anything available for my child, eventually they will be likely to get what they need uh, for that child. So I, I just encourage our, our Coptic com community um, out there to not see this so much as a stigma or something to to try to avoid and just hope that the child grows up and grows out of it, um, but rather to say, as many parents I see, I will take full advantage and advocate for every possible resource available to strengthen and and increase not just the learning, but the confidence 
um, of my child. And we can stand together in that process. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really important, as you said, for us as servants to have the understanding. You know, I, I even learned some things I didn't really know before in our talk right now. So to have just the basic understanding of, you know, how, how to approach this topic and how to help out parents who maybe are struggling with it or who may be hesitant to approach their school district or their guidance counselor and be a resource and support to that. So I know it can be challenging to handle this issue at times, but your insight is valuable and makes it seem a lot less challenging or a lot less confusing. And I think that ultimately, when we face struggles in service and in teaching, we should look to Christ, who was the perfect teacher and example. So what can we learn from how he taught and looked after and cared for those who are around him? Um, there are so many perfect examples in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one is just the use of uh, parables with very vivid and practical imagery. It, some, it is sometimes the most practical day-to-day -day examples that we can offer to children that can really solidify concepts or ideas that might seem more complex. So we can learn that certainly from our Lord Jesus. Um, also, no, he knew his audience. He knew you know, when to speak, when to ask questions. Um, in fact, even when he was being accused, he would, um, instead of trying to defend himself, he would ask questions. And sometimes in the classroom, we can learn to do that. We can look and say, was that a good choice? You know, how would that make the other person feel? Also, repetition. Our Lord Jesus repeated certain themes and patterns. You know, love, love our enemies, forgive. The repetition is a, is a good thing. And I really drive home the, the concept. We want to ask ourselves, when these children leave the classroom or leave the lesson today, will they remember the main focal point? Uh, and that's something we can learn from our Lord Jesus. Also, you know, when he wanted to highlight a, a main point, he often would say, you know, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, I say unto you. That is actually a brilliant concept in, in teaching that teachers use, where they say, oftentimes, if you're going to share a main idea, a lot of kids cannot tell the difference between main ideas and details. So highlight it. Take a pause and say, okay, what I'm about to say now is really important. Everyone look up, eyes on me, pay attention. And I feel like the Lord did that. You know, he didn't sacrifice the individual needs while also keeping in mind the needs of, you know, serving, you know, the multitudes. And we can do that. We don't need to feel like we need to sacrifice one for the other. It's amazing how much we can learn from the details of Christ's ministry. I think it really is eye-opening. And, you know, I kind of want to go back to the Gospels and, you know, reread all the stories about Christ when he was teaching. And um, because I think that after our discussion today, there's a lot of things that you've identified that he did and we can learn so much from. So now as we conclude this episode, we're going to jump into our rapid fire questions. Moore, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. So first, tell us about a funny story that's happened in your experience as a servant. Well, there was a time when I was serving in Queens, New York, and I was at the local public library, and a young boy, probably about 12 years old, it was dead winter, freezing outside, and he came into the library with shorts and flip-flops and a fanella, which is like an undershirt, <laughs> and I was just like, oh my goodness, what is he doing here, and how did he leave his house dressed this way? And it was also an opportunity to uh, serve the family who was new newly immigrated from Egypt and help them understand 
that that was actually funny but also not acceptable um and so we uh we kind of took it from there yeah yeah that is funny and um i'm surprised because it was probably like really really cold for them thanks for that story so second question is can you recommend a book about service to our listeners absolutely i guess if there's one book i would want to recommend um probably one i hope many people have already seen and maybe picked up it's by father matthew the poor and it's called if you love me serving christ and the church in spirit and truth yeah i've actually read that book and you know i've learned a lot from it and on previous episodes also actually have talked about that book so i guess great minds think alike so the next question is what is your favorite quote or verse about service so like we said, the Bible is full of a wealth of verses, but if I would choose one for this podcast today, I would say Luke 17 verse 10 says, so likewise you, when you have done all these things, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. And I love that verse because I think it, it basically says, you know, we are as servants offering ourselves as a living sacrifice day by day and it's very painful and difficult at times but really at the end of the day we look to our lord who gave his life and say lord i'm only giving back a portion of the generous life that you've given to me so i'm not doing anything more than what i should um, hope to do in in offering back just a glimpse of uh, of the, the greatness that you've given to me so i really love that verse Amen to that. You said it so beautifully. Um, you know, I don't even have anything to add. <laughs> um, but lastly, if you can give one bit of advice to the listeners, what would that be? My one bit of advice would be the what the Lord himself said to us, which is God is love and love covers a multitude of sins. Love is a universal language. Love is is a healing presence. And so as we are serving these children, and by extension, we're serving their families, we're serving their households, we're serving, building them up for the future. Above all, as difficult as it is, it's love that conquers. And while we get caught up in the weeds and we get caught up in the details of the lessons and all these things are important, the stories and the theology and, you know, making sure we we get everything in above all make sure they know they are loved because one day you know they will forget our words probably most likely but forget our love that's really nice really beautiful um you know remembering that through christ's love we can overcome all obstacles you know in, in our own lives and then also obstacles in service so thank you for the advice and thank you for being here. It was really great to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. This has been um, just so fun and so refreshing. And I, I pray for all my fellow servants out there. Continue um, in prayer and um, God bless you. Thank you so much, Maura. And to all the listeners, if you are interested in learning more about the topic of diverse needs and also how to 
go through the process through the public school education system, there will be some resources and links in the show notes that Mora has recommended. And if you have any specific questions for Mora, please feel free to shoot service and practice an email and we can get you connected. And please share this podcast if you've benefited from it and you know that someone else would also benefit from it. God bless all of you and keep the service in your prayers.